five, four, three, two, one. Better get limber, because she's covering everything. Music, movies, TV, who knows? But get ready, because she may surprise you. It's time now for the Jenny Position. Hi, welcome to the Jenny Position. This is our seventh episode now, so just trucking right along. Today I have an uh, episode of Talking Pop co-hosted by the amazing Tim Cable. But before I tell you about that, I wanted to read a five-star review that I received on iTunes. It is entitled, Assume the Position, from October 17th, 2019. Jenny is one of the best around. Highest recommendation to subscribe for great content. Love Freak Out Drive-In, Talkin' Pop, and Geek and Sassy. Looking forward for the new original content. That is from Bushbum16. So I think I know who that's from. Thank you, Jason, for that review. If you want your review read on one of my shows, um, just drop it on iTunes. You can do it on the Facebook page. It's the Jenny Position. Or uh, even on Twitter, just at Jenny Position. And I can read those for you on the next episode. So today, uh, Tim and I have a bucket list interview with one of the most prolific podcasters that I know. He is a delight, um, an, an, an amazing human being. His name is Nate Milton. Tim and I, I think, had a lot of background questions for Nate because neither of us really know him that well. So uh, we get a good feeling for his background, especially in podcasting, uh, which we were both very interested in. But then like a good hour into this, uh, things get a little deep and maybe a little bit heavy. Not totally expected on my part, although I should not be surprised because people tend to open up on Talk and Pop quite a bit. So I love, love, love this interview with Nate. He's so warm and funny and real and talented and I could go on and on all day but I promise that you will fall in love with him too. Frankly we could do probably a 10-part interview with Nate so we'll just call this one Nate Milton part one. Enjoy! Hey you! Yeah I'm talking to you sassy girl. Need a little ah in your step? Try this on for size. It's pop! It tastes great it makes you feel kind of funny. Not here not down there but all up in this area. Talking tired of hearing all these people talk about what's the deal with this pop life and when is it gonna fade out? The thing you got to realize what we're doing is not a trend. We got the gift of melody, we're gonna bring it till the end. Come on now. Hi, welcome to Talking Pop. My name is Jennifer Smith. I'm here with the Becky Lynch to my Charlotte Flair, Tim Capel. How you doing, Tim? Ooh, some would say that is the sting to your Ric Flair. Oh, so, I, I like that. I like yeah, that. yeah, I can I can get on board with with that one. Very good. I was stuff. just I was just watching it a match with uh with uh, Becky and Charlotte tagging, so that was stuck in my brain. So there you go. 
Awesome. Well, just like me, very misogynistically, to make it all about the men here after that course. very flattering you? comparison that you made. <laughs> you are the man, after all. The person that I am. Uh, yeah, this is just our second episode here on the Jenny position, but mm-hmm. our 20th overall on Talkin' Pop. So, How do you feel about that? I don't know. I feel like we're sort of a well-oiled machine now. Just grizzled mm-hmm. veterans, much like Sting and Flair, Becky and Charlotte. And like our guest that we're going to bring in tonight, a first-time guest. I can't believe it's taken us this long to get around to him. Jenny. He's, he's been got? on the list like since day one, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, but we both had um, the opportunity and the pleasure to podcast with him Um Talking mostly wrestling, right, mm-hmm. or movies or something like that. But um, tonight we're going to dig a little deeper. We're going to talk to Nate Milton. You might know him from the Kings of Sports, uh, main event, the Rocky Maivia Picture Show, the NWA <laughs> podcast, or the Black Lightning podcast, because he's like me. He does it all. It's Nate Milton. How you doing, Nate? What is going on, Jenny and Tim? It is a pleasure to be here on Talking Pop, a pleasure to be here on the Jenny position. And yeah, you know, I, I know we, we've had to coordinate our schedules, but uh, spoiler alert for the people out there listening, like I, I might seem magnanimous, but I'm a little bit of a prima donna, so I only show up for the, I only show up for the big shows, like, you know, episode 10, 20, 30, 50, mm-hmm. like that's, that's when you call Nate Milton. Don't, don't come to me at episode 29, Jenny. Don't waste my time on odd numbers. Yes, this is very much by design. We wanted to make sure it was an episode number ending in zero or five, for sure. Yes, and, and you've already you've already got my attention, sir, with, with the mention of my, my childhood hero, that man called Sting. So ah. I am, this, this has already been a success in my eyes. Excellent. Excellent. Oh, good. All Thank God it's only downhill from now on. <laughs> you don't mean that. <laughs> I don't. You're a sting convert now, admit it. I am, but I'm not used to it yet. Mm. I'm not real comfortable with it yet. Well, speaking of sting, and, and I don't want to go off on a tangent already before we've already started, but this is what we do. Uh, Nate Milton, I think the first time I heard you was on another podcast. Uh, I Correct me if I'm not, you know, allowed to mention it here, but uh, keep it 2000, WCW Nitro (laughs) retrospective from the year 2000. Um, You and I are both part of that club of having defunct WCW podcasts. Um, (laughs) Seems like seems like there's a curse where where your first WCW podcast. doesn't necessarily finish where where you'd like it to, but that's okay, um, because that show was extremely entertaining. I looked forward to it each and every time I saw it drop in my podcatcher, um, and I can't believe you guys made it as long as you did. So my hat's really off to you. Uh, thank thank you, brother. Yeah, it was it was fun. My, myself and and Brian Mann and yeah, we we didn't get to finish what we started, but in some ways I think I don't view that as a failure. No, I view that as a tribute. Not. That's a tribute. That's an homage to the company we covered. Yes. They couldn't finish the job either. <laughs> That's great. You you uh, made such progress on that show um, in spite of the material you had to work with. So I, I think that's the real uh, victory there. I think the key to like any good podcast is, and now we're getting to the the space where we're podcasting, talking about podcasting. Yeah, so, I love that space. Getting into the, the navel-gazing, if you will. But I think mm-hmm. 
the best shows have a combination of interesting material and interesting people. Mm-hmm. And and that's what I really liked about what Brian in particular. You know, I I knew some of the guests, but Brian was primarily the guy in charge of booking the guests, and he got these out of the box people that you wouldn't think would sit down and talk about WCW, like an open mic eagle or mm-hmm. uh, people of that nature. And it was just fun. And so yeah, I, a lot of people uh, still hit me up on occasion and ask me about the show. So Brian and I did reunite. Over the weekend, uh, I don't know when this is coming out, but uh, over AEW Full Gear weekend, we did like a State of the Union address for wrestling in 2019. Mm. So we kind of got the band back together, even if we were playing a different tune. I like it, yeah. And Brian was great on that show, too, just being so deadpan and and reading the synopsis of many of the segments in the matches that, that would take place. I mean talking things like viagra on a pole match and it's just well here's what happened <laughs> you run i mean we like, yeah, that it, would be it, it, was me. good, uh, it was a good mix because you've got me and i'm this this uh affable if i can say so mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. gen xer and then you've got brian who's like this snarky millennial <laughs> but right. we were able to kind of find our common love for the subject material and we were able to make it work yeah yeah, there there was a magic to it. You you guys had great chemistry, and uh, I don't know. I, I will hold out hope, but not hold you to it. That maybe we'll hear more from that someday. I think uh, what Brian and I have agreed to, and and if I'm misremembering, then you know this is on a podcast now, so it's legally binding. Uh, <laughs> the only way we will revive that show uh, fully is if a we st- we get paid for it, or b Vince Russo comes on the show. So. Oh wow! <laughs> I mean, you might could pull off that second I'm, one. Yeah, I'm trying hey, to listen, is... listen, bro. I had a plan, <laughs> but they didn't believe me. Judy Bagwell on a pole is what the kids want to see. It should be what the kids want to see. <laughs> God damn it! And they ended up putting her putting her on a forklift, right? We uh, yes, Jenny. Did we watch even that? better? Yes, we did. <laughs> Pretty and I was freaking out. Yes. <laughs> And everybody was like, why are we watching this garbage? And I'm like, shut the fuck up. I love it. Yeah, we, we that had is a, a uh, Alexander Bagwell decided to become a gigolo. <laughs> oh, man. Like, yeah. you know what? I can't embarrass my mother any more than this, so I'll be, I'll move to Vegas and become a gigolo. <laughs> I wonder if she's... Well, never mind. She was... Let's just say she was very hands-on with that uh, WCW <laughs> wrestling career buff. Uh, I wonder if she takes quite the active interest in... What he does these days—that's that's a scary thought. I can't wait for the Buff Bagwell biopic. Mm. <laughs> that needs to be a thing. Yeah. yeah well, he—he's kind of like one of those characters in Magic Mike. Not like, not not a protagonist or anything, but one of those um, just side characters, you know? Right. Yeah. The weird one. <laughs> um, how many of those shows did y'all do? How long was the run on that? The run was, uh, it was at least in, in real time, it was at least a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, in episode time, we probably did maybe 40, 40 or so episodes, and we came back and finished off uh, with the final Nitro where Vince McMahon and, and the WWE take control of WCW. But we probably skipped, I want to say, maybe 20, 20 or so Nitros mm-hmm. uh just because of time constraints and people's work uh, schedules changing, we weren't able to 
give 100% to the show, and we didn't want to do a half-assed job. But we were like, you know what? Let's go out on a high note, do the Nitro from, from uh, 2000 that everybody remembers, and uh, call it a call it a year. Yeah. That's a good run, though. Like, oh, yeah. can't be mad at that. No. Especially for, again, the material that, that you had to work with there. <laughs> An impressive feat. Jenny, what was the first? What was your first exposure to Nate Milton? Oh God, um, shit! I don't even remember. It got to be main event, probably. Yeah. Mm. Um, or maybe no, maybe one of the Christmas, um, or mm. one of the special mm-hmm. episodes. Yeah, that, that, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, and then um, when I came on main event to talk about WrestleMania in New York. Um, was one of the first times that we talked, I think. Might have been the first time. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that sounds right. Because before then, yeah, we'd interacted on the Christmas shows or whatever, but mm-hmm. we'd never actually talked at length about a subject. Right. And then, and... then that night was just me saying, I don't remember MSG because <laughs> I was passed out on the couch. <laughs> Um, and then I sang to Kevin Kelly on your show, yes. which was uh, a thing that happened. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Um, but um, obviously, like Nate's one of the, my most favorite podcasters. Like, just amazing. I love I love talking to you. I love listening to your shows. So, um, but one of the things is I don't really know you that well. I don't know your background, mm. um, how you got into podcasting and whatever you do else broadcasting on the side. Because I know you have several um, interests and avenues. What what got you into podcasting in specifically? Well, let's start with broadcasting because that's where everything just kind of came from. Mm-hmm. And it started when I was in high school because I love sports. You know, it's, it's one of my passions. And I think one of the keys to life, one of the keys to being happy in life is to know where you fit in, to know your lane, to know your limits, uh, to know as national treasure that everyone loves, Dwayne the Rock Johnson would say, mm. mm-hmm. to, to know yeah. your role. <laughs> right. And, and, and so, like, I love sports. I played football. I played baseball. I was on the wrestling team, but I knew there was a limit to where I could go in terms of being active, an active participant. And so it's like, okay, what do I, what do I want to do that will allow me to stay around sports? Even if I can't participate at that next level. And so I'm like, do I want to coach? Mm, not really. Do I want to be a ref? Eh, I don't like the way the stripes look on me. Uh, <laughs> That's you know, very important. Yes. <laughs> uh, do I want to be a trainer? No, because that's too much studying, you know, learning about the human body and how to fix yeah. people to get busted up. Uh, so I'm like, what can I do? Okay. The light bulb went off. You know, I I was kind of a class clown. I, I, I was blessed with the gift of gab. And so I'm like, you know what? I like I like being able to talk about these games. So where can I go? to to pursue that and so i studied it in high school and in college uh, i was calling live games probably at the age of 18 uh, live high school football and, and did some stuff in college went to japan for a little while because uh, my family's in the military uh, my dad was a uh, retired navy so 
moved to Japan for a little bit, worked at a TV station over there, came back to the States, and the TV program in my high school was like, uh, we're looking for an announcer. These student announcers, they're really not, you know, kids, the, the kids don't have the attention span to, you know, kind of put in the work to be good. They just want to be on TV. Mm-hmm. So will you, you know, be one of our paid staff announcers? And I'm like, oh, I, I'll get paid for this? Sure. <laughs> you know, you, you had me at paid, sir. And so, you know, I've been doing that now going on 20 years, uh, calling high school football games uh, for the uh, school system TV channel down here. Uh, and then that grew into podcasting. And the way I got into it, because it's, it's something I, I, I like to talk about because I feel feel like even now in 2019 there are still these barriers i guess and they're not official barriers they're not written in stone but for whatever reason you don't see as many black and brown people in the podcast space mm, I, and yeah. so agree with that mm-hmm. like I, I would i think one of the first shows i ever listened to was uh the tony kornheiser show and it was like all it was was his radio show but put in a podcast form and so like i'm like okay yeah i like this and then obviously being a wrestling fan i found wrestling podcasts whether that was you know between the ropes or live audio wrestling which is now kind of bequeath post wrestling that's not the proper <laughs> that's not the proper use of the word but let's roll with it yes uh and so i'm like oh these shows are great these shows are amazing i really like this content this is a new medium but I'm not hearing a lot of voices that sound like me. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I was like, huh, I really would like to do it, but I have no idea how in the hell to get into this. And I had a buddy that was on the radio down here uh, named Bob France, uh, Bobby Fresh, and he, he created this podcast network uh, where he had a, he had a show uh, called Bob's Boneyard. His wife and her friend had a show like uh, for mothers. Uh, there was like a show for uh uh, zombie enthusiast so he had like four or five shows on this network and i'm like wow that's really cool how he just kind of built this thing and i'm like i'd love to, to do that and that's when i went and sought out marcus vandenberg and another gentleman and we started the kings of sport uh and that's been going on for like five years six years now and that so relation on your own just with you guys just yeah Started yep. from scratch. Just started awesome. from scratch, and that led, you know, to a deeper relationship with John Pollock and Wade Ting, which led to me doing some more shows with them, which led to, you know, me doing stuff with Place Be Nation, which mm-hmm. led to me doing the Rocky Mountain View Picture Show, which led to me doing the Black Lightning Podcast. So, it once it got started, once the ball got rolling, it was like, okay, cool. There, there's a space for me now. How can I expand the tent? And that's what I want to do with the. Uh, with the NWA podcast, the Nubian Wrestling Advocate. So yeah, ba- to to give a to give <laughs> a short. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that. You have the best names. These podcasts. This is what we struggle with the most, I think, Jenny yes. and I, and pretty well, much anybody. That's the secret, Tim. Ninety percent of the work is in the name. It, it is. is. <laughs> it is. It really right. Is. And when you're like, well, if this is the best I can come up with, then what's what's the point of even doing the podcast? <laughs> like it just <laughs> speaks for itself. Our lack of creativity here, but. I mean, yeah, it's one of those, God, this shouldn't be so hard, but, but it mm. really is. 
And, it's, it's, and you have hit him out of the park with everything oh, that's been mentioned. So, I mean, the, especially been, the Black Lightly podcast. I mean, well, see, I didn't name that one. I was brought on. <laughs> I, I was brought on to the team for that one. Uh, but that's the other thing, Jenny. Like, it's so. I, I find it very flattering when people are like, like the guy uh, just kind of came out of nowhere and it's like, hey, because uh, I was just, a, I was just a listener, right? And I'm writing in letters and emails to the uh to the show you know giving feedback for the episodes and stuff like that and they're like we really like your letters and we looked you up and we listened to some of your stuff and you're really funny and entertaining would you like to do our show and i'm like i don't have the time to do this show (laughs) on top of all the other shows but you know what i love black lightning and i'm i appreciate you reaching out so screw it let's let's go that's cool that's that's really awesome I love that story, you know? Yes, and I have to, <laughs> so, the Rocky Maivia picture show is mm. maybe mm-hmm. my favorite in the stable of podcasts. Um, how did this one come about? And <laughs> I think it's sort of self-explanatory <laughs> what it is, but um, give us some context there. This, this is a good opportunity, I think, for not only an extended plug, but... Um, just some, yes. some entertainment for uh, for my own sake. Humor me. This, this feels like uh, inside the podcaster studio. Yeah. Hey, tell us about the Rocky Maya Via <laughs> Picture Show. How did it come well, about? Well, Mr. Lipton. <laughs> uh, but no, Rocky Maya Via Picture Show came about because I had the relationship with John Pollock and Wei Ting from doing the shows for the law. Mm-hmm. Uh, it started off, I was kind of like a uh, a fill-in host on the Review and Impact show they had, and then I ended up having like a weekly segment on the show. And then when John and Wade got overwhelmed and beat down by yeah. Impact Wrestling, Brian Mann and I picked it up. And then that <laughs> led to a show called Keep It 100, which, honestly, I think that might be some of the best work that I've ever done. But, again, it was a little bit different, a little bit outside the box, and work schedules got in the way but i still like in my mind that is some of the best podcasting work uh, that, that i've ever done brian and i with uh keep it 100 uh but we started uh that led to uh the keep it 2000 show mm-hmm. and so once that ended john was like hey you know we appreciate all the hard work you and brian have done you know we want to keep the relationship going we dig you guys uh, if you ever got an idea for a show, you know, let us know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, cool, give me some time to think about it, and I'll get back to you. Because I enjoyed having that free time. You know, I love doing the mm-hmm. show, but I enjoyed having the free time of not having to, you know, negotiate schedules and yeah. coordinate times for guests and all that good stuff. It's a uh, lot. Yes, yes, it, it can be a lot. Uh, especially the older you get, it feels like the less time mm-hmm. you have. Uh, was, so I'm like, yeah, I was having that thought the other day. I was like, is it just the fact of getting older, or is, or is there like some weird, bizarre time dilation thing going on? Because I swear it was just Monday yesterday, and and now it is somehow Monday again, and I, I'm just <laughs> so confused. Where where did the intervening days go? And, oh. and it's like every every week now. 
And, and I mean, not even because anything in particular is going on. I, I think it's just what happens as you get older. And I'm like, uh, I wasn't prepared for this. Nobody told me this happened. <laughs> I, I mean, and you put on top of that, we are living in the darkest timeline in America. So, well, yeah, that too. Yeah. <laughs> you look at all the parallel uh, realities that that we mm. could have landed in, and somehow here we are. <laughs> here we are. Thank you, Barry Allen. Uh, you had to go all see your mama and, yep. all the time fucking up the timeline had man. to go see your mama and now we're stuck with God President Cheeto <laughs> um, but yeah so I, I took a couple months and then I was like uh, I think I was watching uh, either Be Cool or The Rundown and I was like huh are there any rock movie review podcasts out there because I knew I didn't want to do like a weekly wrestling show anymore yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I was like, I want to do something once a month, and I want to do something that's fun and, and kind of outside the box, and I can bring in different guests like we did on Keep It 2000. And I'm like, is there a rock review show out there? So I just hopped on Google, and I'm searching, and I'm searching, and there was one Rocky Maivia movie review podcast out there, and it was called Rock Talk. So mm-hmm. I think I said it on another program. Uh, but yes, Rocky My View Picture Show was not the first one. There was a show out there called Rock Talk, but their schedules were so sporadic. And I'm like, yeah, there's a lane. So that was yeah. the first thing. I was like, okay, there's a lane to be had. Second question, and this gets back to what Tim was talking about, about uh, the name. I'm like, yo, the Rocky My View Picture Show, <laughs> that's a hot name. But it's, <laughs> it's probably already been done. Let me Google. I'm yep, Googling. Yep. I'm Googling. Nobody's got it. So immediately I sent John uh, uh, an email. I was like, hey, I want to do a movie review show chronicling the, the movies of Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and it's going to be called The Rocky Mojave Picture Show. I don't know the format. I don't know the segments of the guests. Just lock this in, Rocky Mojave Picture Show. I got on uh, I got on Facebook, talked to the guy I got that does my, uh, my uh, logos for most of my shows. I was like, I need this. By this weekend, because I'm, I'm I want to I want to brand this before anybody else realizes this gem of a name that's just sitting out here on the table for somebody to grab. Yeah, I mean, gotta, you have an original idea like that, you have to run with it. Yeah, got to get it established for sure. Even even if uh, the sometimes if if you can come up with a name that that's great, the concept will just fall. <laughs> Exactly. Not, not many yeah. times that you can land on it. The first thing you do is land on a really good name. So, yeah. Fantastic. What is your... Jenny, I know that uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson is your favorite actor. And, <laughs> of uh, Stars in your favorite genre of film, uh, which mm. are The Rock films. Right. Uh, <laughs> is that a genre now? God damn. Yeah. I mean, it is. It, the, the, the amount of films. he's He's got enough films for it to be his own genre. Yep. Oh, that's so sad. I, I did the math uh, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> if I stay at the current pace, Jenny, of just doing one rock movie a month, and if Rock never makes another movie past Jumanji, I'll be doing this show until 2023. <laughs> that's hysterical. Bless your heart. <laughs> You'll be crazy long before then. Yeah, and if he does continue making movies, as we all hope that he will very much uh you'll just never um, finish that that show will no it'll definitely. just yeah until forever and the thing is i like i'm still in the point where we've got a lot of misses but i've got like there's a there's there's a, a rainbow on the horizon when we get to 
like phase three of the rock's career where we get fast and furious where we get mm-hmm. jumanji where we get moana which which i love where we get some of these really good movies that the rock is in as opposed to doom and the scorpion king mm. and stuff Sky like that skyscraper guys well skyscrapers that was a that was a straight cash grab rock was like yeah. you know what I don't have enough Jordans in my closet. <laughs> I'll do this movie that nobody watches in America, but everybody watches in China. Mm-hmm. There you go. See, I was on this show, and um, I thought that it was very brave of Nate to pick me as a guest. <laughs> and then I did the show. It was a blast. Like I had, like we watched Get Smart, and it yep. was so much fun. And. And then a couple days later, I was like, hey, Nate, did you get any feedback about the show? And he's like, well, for the most part, people really dig you, but they just hate your takes. <laughs> like, okay, well, I can, I can understand that. It's a high I'll compliment. Take it. Yeah. You know. That was a fun episode because, you know, and like I didn't know beforehand that uh, Jenny had this completely insane perspective on <laughs> Dwayne the Rock Johnson Tim. I know. So you didn't know that? I didn't I didn't. I didn't okay. know that. And so about fifteen minutes into the show, uh maybe even less than that. I think it might have been after we did like the flashback segment where we do the musical track of the week. Uh and, and Jenny's like, I really don't like The Rock. <laughs> and I'm like and and, and, and my genuine Just like, like that. Like, I've got, like, a format, but my genuine reaction as a human being, not as a host, not as a podcaster, I was like, what? As, do you mean as a wrestler? As a as an actor? As a human yeah. being? What, what is wrong with you? Yeah, I, I think but, I uh, audibly gasped the first time I, I heard that. That was early what, in our relationship. What, what made it so cool, though, Tim, Very is early. it led to a conversation that I don't think we would have gotten to if Jenny was like most of the people in the world and she liked The Rock. Because we got into like self-esteem issues and mm-hmm. things of that nature, and so I like it when you can use something silly and something fun like wrestling or, or sports or Dwayne the Rock Johnson movies and use it to talk about kind of these bigger issues that everybody deals with, but nobody really wants to talk about. Right, that's exactly yeah. what we do on Talk and Pop. So, see, we got a we got a good formula too. <laughs> yeah, it's a secret weapon in a lot of ways, I think. Mm. Uh, do you have a favorite Dwayne the Rock Johnson movie? Are you willing to divulge that? Mm, I think I'll say his best performances are probably in the Fast and Furious movies because mm. those movies are just so fun. They're like street level Avengers at this yes. point because they they just do <laughs> crazy stunts and we gotta assemble the team. So let's get. Let's get uh, Vin Diesel and let's get Ludacris and and Tyrese and and uh, uh, yes, let's, let's get Ludacris and Tyrese. <laughs> what are you even saying? What's right wrong now? with that? Street Why level you... Avengers? How dare you, sir? And Michelle they're, they're... Rodriguez and, and whatever whatever white guy we're using in this movie to replace <laughs> your your man Paul Walker. Rest in peace. <laughs> they they are superheroes. They just don't have. The flashiest superhuman powers. Yes, they're they're this powered by Corona and family, Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be the next uh, AEW tag team, Corona and family. <laughs> Corona and family. <laughs> <sighs> but I think my favorite rock movie might be... It's not a popular movie. I know a lot of people 
think it's a bad movie. I just love Be Cool because it's such mm-hmm. a weird film. Like, it's a sequel to Get Shorty that <laughs> didn't need to be made. And it's like a very late 90s, early 2000s film in the way that we've got The Rock, we've got John Travolta, we've got Andre 3000, uh, Cedric the Entertainer, Vince Vaughn. So it's it's a movie. It's a mo- like I used to say it was a guilty pleasure, Jenny, but the guy uh, that I was talking about earlier, Bobby, he, he t- we, t- we had a conversation a few years ago, and he was like, you know what? I think the older you get, the less things are guilty pleasures because yep. if you hit you know 35, 40, 45, 50, they're not guilty pleasures anymore. They're just shit, you, shit that you like. You become and pretty shameless. Who you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there should be no guilt in something that brings you joy. Right. I agree with that. Eventually, once you're old enough to know better and, you know, to to have some taste and to be able to distinguish one thing for another, you don't really have to have shame about this stuff. Mm. Yeah, it's, you just don't care what anybody thinks. You're like, just into or what you're you shouldn't. Into. Yeah. 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 Lord knows I know about that shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you and me both. <laughs> so, okay, where were we up to on your timeline? Um the, we, we, we were talking about the birth of the Rocky Maivia Picture Show. Yes, that's too. what it was. So, what about main event? Where does that fall in? Uh, in the okay, timeline? main event is before Rocky Maivia. It's it's probably close to the tail end to Keep It Two Thousand, uh, because my first involvement with Place to Be Nation was on a show called Clotheslines and Headlines. Pour one out. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 And that was uh, myself. Uh, that was Jr. And no, was that Jr. or was that? Yeah, it was Jr. Yeah, uh, he... I, I never did a show with Scotty until I moved to main event. So it was me, Jr. and Steve Willie, which was mm-hmm. cool because it was the first time I'd ever got to work with the conscience Steve Willie, who right. I who I adore. Uh, and that show, like, we had a good run on that show, but I think that was a scheduling thing. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, Jr. is like, well, you know, we we had a good thing going here, and and you know. Again, like we don't want to lose this, uh, and it sounds bad when I say it, uh, but you know we don't want to lose this talent. We don't want to lose you. Can't quit you, Nate. <laughs> can't quit me. Uh, and so he's like, okay, um, do you think you could uh, hop on main event and you and Scotty could ro- could roll with that? And I was like, okay, sure. I you know I'll do a show or two because I'd, I again I'd I'd only really had an interaction with Scott on the Christmas specials or, you know, on those big WrestleMania shows where they'd be like 10 people on a damn show. Mm-hmm. So I never really talked to him one-on-one. And so Scott and I got there and then I think Scott and I did the first few shows of my run on main event with just the two of us. And then kind of like karma uh, or, or fate, Steve Willie came back to the fold and it's been the three of us. I want to say for the last year, maybe year and a half. Yeah, y'all were up to like one thirties or so. Yeah, and, and so I, I want to say I probably came in right after or right around one hundred. Mm, okay. And clotheslines and headlines was a pretty interesting format in that it was yeah. kind of a what I thought of as the correspondence show for mm. placed what was then Place to Be Nation, uh, then you know Place to Be Nation wrestling, um, and. I think it just brought that same f- 
flavor to main event when you and Steve joined with Scott because main event was a very different show before you guys arrived as well. Um, So yeah, it just, it sort of seemed like the best of both worlds. And while I was disappointed to no longer hear uh, clotheslines and headlines, I mean, this is going back a few years, um, you could, you were still kind of able to recapture that magic. So yeah, I was, I was, um, very glad we, we did not lose your voice or uh, Steve Willies as well. Former shout out to Steve, former past guest of this show as well, so, mm-hmm. who we love very much. Wildcat Willie. Yep, and Scott, <laughs> and Scott certainly, who's been on of course, yes, several past editions of this program. Uh, Jenny, did you ever hear any clotheslines and headlines back in the day? I think it was no, it was that was before, before your, my time. Yeah, just a little bit. Not long, but, yeah. I guess I could go back in the archives. You always could, absolutely. Mm-hmm. We would encourage that. Anything I'm for sure those... they would be timely. And uh... <laughs> Well, yeah, all the timely takes from a, a yes. topical wrestling show. Um, yes. <laughs> anything for the Ds. Got to get those Ds. You're right, you're right. Mm. I'm all about the Ds. Here I, yeah, that's, that's my motto. Um, <laughs> Nate, you... um. We were, I think Jenny and I both were stalking your timeline on Facebook earlier, um, trying yep. to, to build a picture of you. Mm. And it does look like you've traveled and lived in a, a number of different places. And you kind of answered that question by saying um, you grew up, your family's in the Army, is that correct? Navy. Navy, okay. Excellent. Um, Japan. Wow. Uh, did you guys live there for a while? Uh, I lived there for about a year and a half, and my family was stationed. Uh, my father was stationed over there. I want to say three years, perhaps. And the, and my sister and my mother stayed over there with them. I came back uh, to the states uh, after about a year and a half. Okay. And like, what age thereabouts were you? I would have been probably nineteen. And so, it's weird because I like I enjoyed Japan while I was there, but I don't think I had a full appreciation of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because a the age I was at and b it was it felt like you know being torn away from uh, the culture that I'd grown up with. Yeah, you know. And granted, I you know I lived in Virginia, I lived in uh, Rhode Island, I lived in San Diego. You know, so I've been all over, but all over in America, <laughs> right? And so. This is like right after my first year of college, and I, I uh, let's say I, I had some great experiences in college, mm. but uh, none of those were academically rela- related. Mm. Of course, and as they shouldn't be. <laughs> Rarely so, are they academically related. So the GPA uh, was suffering a little bit, and so basically, and, and now looking back with the hindsight of a grown-ass man, uh, like my, my, uh, my parents totally did the right thing. They were like, we're not going to spend money on another year of you screwing around so you're coming to japan with us so there was some resentment there as well you know the fact that you know i was kind of coming into my own i was playing baseball in college you know i met a girl and and of course at that age you think that every girl that you that you date is the one and so there was resentment and so that again played into not experiencing everything in japan that i could have but yeah it, it was it was cool being over there, and, and eventually maybe, you know, maybe one day I'd like to go back and visit because it, it is a 
really unique country with with uh, lots of pretty cool people. Yeah, I can only imagine even living as many places as you did in the U.S. And then being told we're moving again. Okay, yeah, no big deal, no stranger to that. But uh, it's Japan, <laughs> and I'm not <laughs> saying, of course, that's exactly how it would. But especially being 19 when you're you're legally an adult, but it's that age where you are far from grown. You just sort yes. of think you think you're an adult because you have that that legal distinction of course but you still don't know shit and god that that sounds like a lot to process at a at a time when you're maybe thinking should i just cut out on my own like i don't really have to do this but i sort of should and don't really have any excuses that that (laughs) that'll mess with you and i'm sure i probably was a pain in the ass like at, at that time uh particularly for my parents and my little sister but uh again Everything happens, I think, for a reason. Like I'm, I'm a firm believer in in faith, and and that like things don't just happen willy nilly. And if it wasn't for me being dragged, kicking and screaming to Japan, I never would have gotten the opportunity to work at that uh, TV station on the base. Mm-hmm. And that allowed me to you know continue to grow as a host and as an interviewer, uh, and and you know as an editor, and and so. A lot of the stuff that I learned being in Okinawa is stuff that I still use to this day. And so, yeah, without that experience, I'm probably not as good as I could be in terms of broadcasting. Yeah, that's that's definitely a great way to, to look at it. And I, I sort of view podcasting as something I just do on the, on the side as a hobby for my own entertainment, but... It has helped me a lot in my professional life also, just in terms of having confidence to speak in front of an audience. Mm. You know, not that podcasting is public speaking, but you sort of do flex some of those same muscles. And just being able to know um, that you have a voice and that you this is something you can be comfortable with, I think, you know, just goes a long way in, uh, I don't know, building character or setting yourself off on the on the right track really i can't tell you how many meetings and conference calls things of that nature i've been on and i'm sort of calling back to weirdly enough a podcast that i've done that sort of <laughs> felt like they were circling the drain so to speak and it's like <laughs> all right we've got to bring this back and somebody's mm. got to say something and, and step up here a little bit Oh, I didn't it, know you felt that way, Tim. That's cool. Not any podcast we've done, Jenny. <laughs> I know, I know, but I just mean like I love that you said that it's helping you confidence-wise at work. It's like Rotary Club. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's something I don't think you're conscious of at first, and then the mm. more you do it, you start to realize, oh, I, I think a lot of this probably comes from podcasting and just being more confident in my own voice. So yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot to that even if you're not immediately being professionally rewarded for it i think it just kind of works both ways but i love that um and look at that we we brought it back right back to podcasting in that way yeah we did (laughs) inside the podcaster studio Mm. (laughs) now nate you currently live in the commonwealth along with me uh you are in the newport news area is that right that is correct uh, what brought you to the Tidewater region? How long have you been here? 
I mean, off and on, I've lived in Newport News probably about 25 years, so more than half my life. Mm. Uh, and we originally came here in the 80s. Uh, again, Norfolk is a huge Navy town, so that was what brought the family here first. Uh, and, you know, I went to high school here, uh, went to uh, community college down here, and Every time I've left, I've always come back because, again, this is this is an area that feels like home. You know, mm-hmm. as much as somebody who's had sort of a transient backstory can have. You know, this is a place mm-hmm. that feels familiar. Like the only other place that I've felt as comfortable than you know than here is in San Diego. Like if I if I wasn't living here, I'd be in San Diego because. Those are the places where I've kind of formed the most relationships. Those are the places where I feel like I can be the best version of me in. And so, yeah, I've barring some crazy job offer or, or barring, uh, you know, things just, you know, Newport News turning into Gotham City overnight. Uh, <laughs> Never know. I, <laughs> I don't. Uh, I, I don't think. I, like I think I'll be here for a while. And if, if I'm not here, uh, then most likely you'll find me in San Diego. Mm, gotcha. It's so funny. Like I, this is like a random aside or whatever. But um, when I was in college for the very short amount of time that I was in there, um, I did telemarketing. And we sold newspaper subscriptions over the phone. Um, it was a very classy and very important job. Um, and one of the You're newspapers... You're very passionate that, about it. I uh, very, see. extremely. And one of the newspapers that we sold was Newport News. <laughs> mm. So the Daily I, I, Press? Time, yes, every time... Yes, that's exactly right. So every time you say that, it just like takes me back to like this <laughs> god-awful cubicle and this... Um, just sketchy guy who ran this place. I'm wondering if that was one of the papers that we distributed, owned at Media General when I worked there. Wouldn't hmm. that be funny? It would. That would be really funny. It's, because, it's all connected. It yeah. Is. Well, Greg Phillips worked for the Dothan Eagle, which was one of yes. our papers mm. for many years, and and we were sort of like ships passing in the night. Like I think he started. At Dothan, the year that I was on my way out, and I, I worked uh, at corporate in Richmond, but uh, certainly had interaction with a lot of the folks from those different publications. I don't think that I don't think we had any for Newport Newport News or anything in the Tidewater. I don't. Yeah, because we the ones we got down here are, are still get our uh, the Daily Press and then the uh, Virginian Pilot. Mm, oh, you know what? I think we did have Virginia pot, Virginia pilot. <laughs> but anyway, that's what neither here nor world. there. I know. <laughs> do you? Um, I don't know why I just thought of this, but uh, do you have any like fun, fond memories of events at the Norfolk Scoop? Oh, let's see. I've been to a couple old uh, NWA shows at the Scope. Mm. Uh, I I want to say. I don't know if it was the first World War Three or the second World War Three for WCW. Oh, wow. I was there. The uh, first or the second World War Three? Just process that statement for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Whichever one was the one where Macho Man Randy Savage won. Okay. That's the one I was at. That was uh, the 
first one. Yeah. Okay. And the the great story behind that is my buddy and I went up there, and we got. Oh yeah, this. I was just gonna stick to the Mean Gene part of this story, but I forgot the backstory is even crazier. So we'll get to Mean Gene in a second. Okay. Greatest tease ever. Uh, so and this is my 1995, buddy, I believe. Yeah, this is 95. So my buddy and I had ordered a pay per view, and the pay per view was just like unintelligible, and it, they started late, and the audio was messed up, and so as a make good, the cable company sent. Me and my buddy, two free passes to the next pay-per-view in Norfolk. Mm. And so we're, we're like, oh, okay. And they, they sent us like a big prize package. Like we got a, a Sting mask, which of course I kept. Uh, we got a Hogan bandana, which my buddy kept. <laughs> we got the two passes. And then we got uh, a free copy of the Hulk Hogan wrestling boot band tape, which we traded <laughs> back and forth. <laughs> I know uh, it well. Because the Hulkster's in the house. Uh, <laughs> and so we're like, okay, this is cool. And this is right around the time where I'm first driving. And so this is like one of my first big drives by myself because we got to go through the tunnel to get to Norfolk. Yep, got to go through the tunnel. And so we got our passes. We, like I think I've got like 30 bucks and he's got like uh, 20 bucks. So we're in our minds processing, you know, the food and the souvenirs and the programs and all this good stuff. So we get there. And we go to the ticket ticket booth, and the lady's like, "Okay, can I see your tickets?" And we we throw down our our free passes from the cable company like it's the big joker in a game of spades. <laughs> we are so happy and so proud of these passes. And the lady looks at it for a second, looks at us, looks back at the tickets, and calls her manager over. <laughs> manager comes in. Oh, we got two more of those. And I'm looking at my buddy like, two more of those? Two more. And so she's like, uh, sir, sorry, unfortunately, we can't accept these tickets. The building was oversold, and these tickets what? from the cable company aren't valid. And so I'm looking at my uh, my buddy like... A WCW pay-per-view is yeah, oversold in 1995. That's, that's, the, that's what the story she was going with. So I'm looking at my buddy like, now, we did not just drive an hour in traffic to come to this show to not go to the show so i'm like okay we got to think and then not all heroes wear capes tim capel mm -hmm. we turn the corner and there's a scalper oh yeah it's like hey young brothers you want to go to the show and i'm like yes i do mr <laughs> scalper man <laughs> and he's like all right i got two tickets for 50 dollars and i'm like because mm. in my mind i'm like that's cutting deep into the money that we have so i'm like we can't do this for fifty dollars mm. and then i'm like how about uh how about two for thirty like two for thirty oh you're killing me young blood <laughs> he's like i can do two for forty and i'm like all right i look at my buddy i'm like this is probably the best deal that we're gonna get so deal so we we give this guy 40 bucks now we only have ten dollars in between the two of us oh shit oh man uh, and so I know I got to gas up before we get head back on the other side of the tunnel. So I'm like, okay, we can't spend but five dollars because I need five dollars <laughs> at least to put in the tank to get us back across the water. So I'm like, we got five dollars, dog. What we gonna do? So we go in. We like, uh, okay, we don't have enough money for a souvenir, t-shirt, anything like that. Nope. But we are hungry because we didn't eat because we were we were excited the whole way up. We're like, oh, we gonna eat this stadium food. 
or arena food, whatever the hell it is. Yeah. And so we're like, damn, we don't have enough to get two things. <laughs> so we went. Share. Yeah, we got to share. So we went and we found like a hot dog guy and we were able to get two hot dogs and two complimentary cups of water for $5. Oh, my God. And we're Not like, bad. We're like, hey, stadium prices, we'll, we'll deal with it. So we, we go, and we're sitting, and, and the show starts, and we're having a good time. And, and so we forget all about our financial issues. And then, who do we see walking on the concourse but Mean Gene Oakland? Mm. And my buddy and I are trying to get his attention. Mean Gene! Mean Gene! Hey, Mean Gene! Mean Gene doesn't pay us any mind. He just walks to the ring and does this thing. And they're like, oh, okay, he's busy. You know, he's at work. <laughs> we understand. So then he comes back around the other way. We're like, Mean Gene, Mean Gene, still doesn't pay us any mind. So finally, it's about midway through the show. We see Mean Gene. He's like ducked into a corner of the concourse, and he's eating a hot dog. And we're like, Mean Gene, this Mean Gene. Hey, Mean Gene. And Mean Gene finally looks at us, looks up, and we're like, hey, Mean Gene. And then Mean Gene, in the classiest move in, in, in uh, sports entertainment history, Mean Gene looks at us. Tips his hot dog like he's tipping a cap, and then goes back to finishing his meal. And we like, oh, me, Jesus! <laughs> and that was that was the highlight of our night. And we spent the five dollars that we had left on gas, and made barely made it back. I think by the time I got back home, like the the uh, the gas meter was hugging E. But uh, we we were able to take lemons and make lemonade out of them, and we got affirmation from Mean Gene Oakland. So it was, it was a good all night. all worth it for the hot dog nod from Mean Gene. <laughs> it's a harrowing story that was all worth it. It was beautiful. I loved it. Well, I know that if uh, Newport News ever did become Gotham, it would be because the tunnel collapsed. And it seemed more like a no man's, no man's land situation where they're just cut off from society. Mm. And uh, yeah, that, that would be... Possibly bad times. Uh, I still hate going through the tunnel to this day. I do too. I, I and then the news, like the news, doesn't help Tim because they're like, "Our Hampton Roads tunnel's really in danger." More news at eleven. <laughs> like, why would you tell me this? Why are you gonna tease me with something like that? Some things the government needs to keep to themselves. <laughs> well, and we don't need transparency with this. No, no, just fix it, but don't tell us about it. If, if there's a problem, just take care of it. I don't need to know the details. And if there's an accident. Mm. that is the last place you want to be stuck for yeah. an extended period of time i've actually had plans in my mind tim because i'm not a good swimmer um, okay insert your stereotypical joke here <laughs> uh, i was refraining uh but uh i'm not a good swimmer but i can i can you know swim a little bit enough to you know tread not water die yeah enough to not die and so i've often thought in the tunnel like okay if the water rushes in do I have enough time to open the door mm-hmm. or will I need to keep the window down? Cause the water pressure will be too hard on the door. And if I like, how deep are we? Like yeah. I, I thought like, yeah. how deep is this tunnel? Because if I don't have enough air to make it to the surface, like what, what do I do? And the cars can't drive underwater. So I'm no. like, I'm trying to come up with all these contingency plans for what happens if the tunnel uh, springs a leak. Yeah, you gotta have this a plan. This is me. This is me when I go over any bridge, just like <laughs> no matter what. Like, so you're one of those like you've got a the severe bridge phobia. 
Yeah, it's not severe, but like it bothers me like bad. Like I had to go over one today twice, and I'm like, God <laughs> damn, I hate this fucking bridge. <laughs> well, see a bridge. At least with a bridge, you know you're falling, and you can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you at least with a bridge, falling. like maybe I can kind of do a Fast and Furious <laughs> but I'm mid-air like, yeah, jump out of the car for what I'm gonna do. Like, cause I got the kid right, so I'm like, okay, I gotta unbuckle me, I gotta unbuckle him, like all in mid-air while we're falling, and let my window down or not. I don't know. What do I do? <laughs> there it is. And yeah. all these years of driving over bridges, I still don't know what the fuck <laughs> I would do. It's like this is a real Butch and Sunday situation here, kid. I'll see you on the other side. Yeah, because I, 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 we're all just gonna die. What are we? We're, who are we kidding? <laughs> Nobody like. It, well, the tunnel, be... the tunnel nightmare wasn't that a Sylvester Stallone movie? What was it? Um, Daylight or Daybreak or something? Oh, that's right. Yeah, Daylight, where yeah. he was like a guy that worked on tunnels, and the thing flooded. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> a tunnelist. He's a tunnelist. A, tunnelist. Yeah. a tunnel man. That sounds right. Mm. Well, um, so you've lived all over. Uh, you've you've done podcasts. You've done a variety of podcasts, certainly. Uh, what's your current just? What's a day in the life for you? What's mm. that? What's that look like? Your just average day. Uh, I wake up, get out of bed, run a comb across my head. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, it's so. Here's the thing. So I I am a night owl by nature. Yeah. Uh, and I used to think it was and just company. Yes, like I there's there's some other stuff behind that. Uh, but uh, so I'll usually go to bed on an average night around. On a good night, I'll be in bed by one. Mm. Uh, on a bad night, it might be three o'clock <laughs> in the morning uh, before I before I finally hit the hay. Uh, so I'll get up, depending on, you know, what time I have to get up for my for my day job, for my 9 to 5. You know, go to my 9 to 5. Uh, depends on if I have a podcast that night or not. Uh, come home, try to get in some semblance of a workout because I'm, I'm realizing that, you know, I'm, I'm not old, but I'm older and things hurt more than they used to hurt. Mm. Yeah. And so I got to, you know, get in shape or, or you know, at least in, in some semblance of shape. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to do just better to, with that. Just to prevent your body from caving in on itself, probably. Yes. Is, yeah. I mean, let's face it, it, it's sort of one of those inevitable march of time sort sorts of things, but more and more I'm realizing uh, you have to do something. So yes. <laughs> it, it sucks, but it is what it is. And even a little something is better than nothing. Yeah. True. Yes. Uh, better than sitting in a chair all day. Yes. And, like, I've got... You know, I got uh, these Biggest Loser DVDs that I may or may not have stolen from Netflix when they were still sending out DVDs. <laughs> uh, Statute of Limitations. Okay. Uh, but, I'll, you know, I'll pop those in. Is or it I'll stealing go first. if you just never returned them and, and a, didn't get it? I mean, they sent them to you. I mean, exactly. Yeah. That is true. They gifted them to you. <laughs> so I mean, I'll either do that or I'll, yeah. like, I got like a little pedal bike. I'll pedal that and watch TV or I'll, you know, jog around the neighborhood if the weather's nice. But, uh. You know, trying to, you know, keep in decent shape. Uh, you know, I've started doing uh, spots on the local radio station. Uh, so sometimes, like, my, that'll be my day, getting to Norfolk, doing a radio show, and coming back. And, 
Like it's it's not it's not exciting, uh, but it is as exciting as some might think. But you know, it's it's a routine, and like this time of year, I'm doing a lot of high school football games on the weekend. Uh, so I like I, I I have gotten better with time management, not by choice, but out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because I know if I don't budget time to eat or budget time to sleep or budget time to exercise. I'm going to wear out, like Tim was saying. You know, I'm going to break down because the things that I enjoy doing, they they kind of take up a lot of time. Like, even when I'm at my day job, I'll be thinking about stuff I'm going to do for the radio show or stuff that I'm going to do for the football broadcast on the weekend. Like, that stuff kind of takes up a lot of my headspace. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when, when we started the NWA podcast a couple weeks ago, I should have gone to bed at, at, at midnight or one o'clock, but I had to edit this thing just right. And this mm-hmm. is the first episode. And so it's important. And so I look up when I finally finish it and, and audacity can be slow sometimes and it's four yep. in the morning. Oh. And, mm. and so like, I have to be wary of that stuff. I will put so much time into the broadcasting and the podcasting that I don't allow balance in my life. And that's something I, I the older I get, the more I, I find value in, in kind of being balanced. Yes, I can feel you on that. It's like it's like a conditioning. Mm. Um, you have to get into sort some sort of rhythm and schedule. Because, um, like, it used to be like we could just do things on the fly, Tim, like mm-hmm. you and me in particular. But, like, yep. now it feels like we're talking about it, you know. <laughs> oh, like three weeks in advance. We're like, what are we? You know, let's schedule this. Let's get you it. You got to you got to make plans to make plans. You do. Yeah, you really it's, do. It's like you said, Nate. A lot of this stuff is by necessity. Like we sort of necessarily have to have our shit more together than <laughs> we maybe were accustomed to at first. Just because it it just tends to compound the more you put things off and sort of go unprepared. I mean, not that we do. I mean, I make it sound like we do a ton of prep work for all our shows. No, we don't not. really, but it, it's not, it's certainly not as on the fly as I think we were used to doing at first. But I think that's good though, because like being able to prioritize, you know, something like this is important because you want to have the space to do this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't, Make the time, it'll just be something, like you said, that you just kind of push off or whatever. But um, I've always been, like, felt like you and I were on the same space when it comes to, you know, we, we, we get kind of in the same headspace. We're like, oh, it's about time for a talk pop. You got ideas? Yeah. And it's so funny. We just, like, usually just come up with something pretty immediately. Um, so it just all kind of um, works out. and. Our, like with like with Nate, we we were like, what are we gonna do for talking Paul? Like, how about Nate? Okay, let yeah, me ask. How about him. a guest? Okay, let's guest. How about Nate? Yeah, let's do Nate. Yeah, our uh, our cycles sync up, is what it is, Jen. Yes, that's what it is, babe. <laughs> I'm so glad they do. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't work any other way. Yeah, well, it was interesting that you said you were a night owl, uh, which is not surprising to me, Nate. Uh, but also having that kind of nine to five component, which uh, I was like, oh, hmm. because most people who are like that uh, would really struggle <laughs> with that sort of um, mm. 
I don't know, obligation early in the morning. And, and I say that from experience because I'm, I'm a nine to fiver myself and also a night owl. And I'm just kind of, it's like you say on, on a good night by one, you're asleep. You're like, okay, yeah, I'll be up by seven and then haul an <laughs> ass out the door, but that's pretty normal. Um, or I'll be up by three trying to get out of bed by seven <laughs> and it's a nightmare and I'm late and it's just, yeah. I, I don't know. That seems like something that should be self-correcting, also. But in my experience, it really hasn't been. Uh, and I don't know if it's just experience, if it's a nature or nurture kind of thing, uh, being wired differently. Uh, maybe mm. we're more cut out for shift work. I don't know. <laughs> but I can't say I've ever been a morning person. Is there anything you can? Um, you can sort of look back on and, and say that that stems from. <laughs> uh, and then this is this is funny because uh, my reaction is not going to be uh, congruous with the uh, story I'm about to tell. Okay. But uh, yeah, I think part of it is, like you said, what you become accustomed to. Uh, you know, I've always like my. It, I think part of it is just like my mom is somebody that can stay up late like well when when my dad used to go out on deployment we would like have these late night because i was old enough where i could stay up later but my little sister she was still you know you got to be in bed by eight or whatever nine mm -hmm. whatever uh but uh my mom would like it wouldn't and it wouldn't be every week it'd be like you know every other week or you know once a month but we would stay up late and one of the local TV channels would play. They'd throw like all their old black sitcoms on in the in the middle of the night. Okay. And you so go. you'd have a block of the Jeffersons and Good Times and and that's my mama, uh, <laughs> which is a real show, Jenny. <laughs> that's my sure. mama. <laughs> that's my mama. The theme song was "That's My Mama." That's my mama. Who's talking about my mama? <laughs> <laughs> that one, you know. Uh, did not land on my cultural radar, I have to say. I was going to say, is it on the uh, PlayStation's greatest like, sitcoms? I, I don't, and, and that oh, is a serious amazing. oversight by the selection yes, committee. Apparently. And I'm like, Jefferson's, yep, uh, 227, mm -hmm, yes, still with Well, see, you. the thing is, the, the guy that starred in That's My Mama, I think he got the show because he played uh, Sweet Daddy, the gangster on Good Times. Okay. Sweet daddy. And they Sweet. liked him so much, they gave him his own vehicle, which was That's My Mama. And he played Earl the Mailman. Mm. Son oh of the God. titular I'm mama. Look, I'm looking this up right now. This is tremendous. And so, like, she would uh, she would say, okay, you know what you know what tonight is? I'm like, what's tonight? She's like, it's Smorgasbord night. And so what she'd do is she'd get, like, crackers and, like, uh, you know, the deli meats and cheeses oh, yeah. and chips and stuff. And we'd just, you know, stay up till 11, 12 at night watching these shows. Aww. And that was, that was, like, this cool little thing that we did that, uh, you know, kind of gave us time to bond. But I think it also gave her something to kind of take her mind off of the fact that Pops wasn't there because mm -hmm. uh, yeah. he was out at sea or whatever. And she's not uh, worried about trying to cook or anything. Ex exactly. It's <laughs> well played, Mom. Uh, but the if other kids want to eat this anyway, then that's going to yes. be their day. Yes, we'll make it a we'll make it a fun night. <laughs> uh, but the other thing, and it's something I hadn't really talked about until last few years, I think, was that uh, I was abused when I was a kid, mm. and it 
took took a while for me to come to grips with that, and it occurred at night. And so I think there is something kind of in because it was when I was ten, mm-hmm. and so I think there was something at that formative age that was like you have to be up at night because if you're not, something mm-hmm. bad could happen. Mm-hmm. And so like I. I always feel like I'm at, you know, people talk about like, what's your peak time? Like, I always feel like I'm at my peak time at night because that's when I'm the most alert and aware and when I'm mm-hmm. the most uh, clear headed. And I think part of that goes back to kind of that trauma and dealing with that and kind of, you know, kind of putting those pieces together. And so, yeah, like it's it's something like I think and somebody asked me, like, could you if ESPN gave you a million dollars, could you? do like the morning sports center, like first thing in the morning at six, seven in the morning. And it's like, yeah, I could do it because <laughs> it's ESPN and it's a million dollars. But I would like, it would be the worst version of me because it wouldn't be arrested me. It wouldn't be a me that is in the best mood. It would be, it would be like taking something that I enjoy and turning it into a job. So mm. yeah, my perfect job would be doing drive time radio because that's like th- uh, six o'clock at night. That's that to me is your nine in the morning because that's yep. when yep. I'm like firing on all cylinders. I'm very much the same way. Yeah. And me too. It, so it was like a kind of a learned vigilance thing. It sounds mm. like that's that's pretty deep. That's you're right. Not exactly where I expected <laughs> that was going to go. Yes. I mean, you just painted this very sweet picture, and uh, then you flipped it, flipped it on. Yes. Well, I, I think both, like both, all of it. I was going to say both of it, but I guess all of it just kind of adds up to the person you are. Mm-hmm. Good and bad experiences. That's true. Yeah, because it sounds like you don't have a negative association with you know just the fact that you're a night owl it's not like you're you're describing it you're not describing it as like an insomnia thing where you're yeah tormented because you can't sleep. i mean i i don't want to put words in your mouth but it it doesn't sound like it comes across that way it's it's this was something that that happened but um well i think part of that tim is that i didn't know cuz i had pushed all that stuff down mm. and it wasn't until maybe Maybe five years ago, um, I, I think that's that's about right. Uh, it was right around the time the Kings of Sports started, and so that that's completely unrelated. But uh, <laughs> like, I need a podcast to work through this trauma, fellas. Uh, but is it unrelated though? <laughs> I'm not going to say but, it's not what we do sometimes. I'm just <laughs> saying, like a lot of my trauma has come to service on podcasts. See, like, I I had never associated my night owl tendencies with that. Until uh, like I went to therapy, and uh, yeah, that was a completely foreign concept to me because, you know, men typically aren't the most willing candidates for that, and certainly like when you go even deeper and, and put in the context of a black man, right? Like that's not something. At least it wasn't at the time that was this widely talked about thing, and so I think going through therapy really was like okay, now all the pieces are coming together, all these memories are coming back and stuff that you kind of push down this it was like a bad experience going through therapy but it was good at the same time because it's like okay now i make more sense to myself mm. like these choices that i made you know five years ago or 10 years ago or 15 years ago they weren't just random occurrences they happened because there was an event and there are 
ripples from that event and your judgment and the people you associate with and you know kind of the way you interact with the world was changed mm-hmm. by that event and so you know being able to talk about that stuff it it helped me figure out more of who I am and and why I'm good at some of the things I'm good at and why I'm not good <laughs> at some other, at other things. things yeah it makes a lot of sense i mean it even if you're not walking around with the open wound still it, it sounds like you aren't and got some help which is fantastic it it still is going to inform just some of the ways that you are uh for good or for ill there we go i had to take a little had to drink some water right there there we go get refreshed but <laughs> but yeah it, it it i think like the the crazy thing about therapy is that i went into it I think, and I think most guys, I don't think I'm unique in this, Tim. I think I went into it with the mindset of, okay, fix me. You know, Doc, mm-hmm. there's something, like the, you know, very problem solution oriented. Yep. I'm paying like you there's this something money. wrong. Yep. I'm paying you this I'm paying money. You this money. So Something's wrong. Fix it. <laughs> results are going to happen. <laughs> which is, which is not how it works at all. <laughs> no. Sadly. <laughs> it's like, wait, I'm paying you. To tell me what I have to do, all this damn work, and mm-hmm. hope for the best. Yeah, it, it's very it, uh, kind of like for what I'm paying you. Do you know how much alcohol I could buy? And get to pay in this <laughs> exactly. <day>? Yes. <laughs> yes. This is a discussion Tim and I have had for a while. <laughs> um, not knocking anybody's therapy. Uh, I have sure, spent but... more money on therapy than I have spent on spilt liquor. Yes. <laughs> um, are you still doing that, or did you find some closure and moved on, or do you still feel like you need the 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 weekly or whatever therapy? I did it for about two or three months, and it was good. It was positive. I, I recommend it. Uh, but then, like it it. It became to the point where I was, you know, therapy was to take care of this immediate issue. Mm-hmm. And once that issue was kind of resolved and I had made peace with it, I was like, you know, therapy is cool. And it's good to know that this is something that I can always use if I need it in the future. But right now I'm good with it. And so that's kind of where me and the uh, therapist left it. Uh I'm sure she was happy for my for my progress and unhappy mm-hmm. that that check wasn't coming every two weeks. Mm, for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it was it was uh, it was something again. Like I think everything happens for a reason, and like that the the kind of inciting incident for that was after a breakup. And mm-hmm. so while like I missed that relationship, I think that relationship was incredibly important because without that. I don't get to therapy and then without therapy, I don't get to being where I am right now, which is, you know, everything's not going to be great. You know, some days are just going to be okay. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And I think that is beneficial also that you have something, some immediate crisis or just issue that you can point to that you're saying, I need help with this thing. And it does yeah. lead to, peeling back some of those other layers 
uh, therapy is, I, I, I just have a very, Jenny and I both think, I think have this sort of odd relationship with therapy where it's sort mm-hmm. of a, um, do as I say, not as I do sort of thing, <laughs> um, where I would obviously recommend it to anyone, but I think part of the frustration and folks who have been sort of in and out of therapy and seen different therapists and thought mm. like, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm getting anywhere with this, right? It may be because you're intellectually recognizing, hey, I need some help. There's some things I want to work through, but it's sort of, it's almost more of the, because I live in America in 2019. Like, there are some things, <laughs> I don't know there are some things that that therapist is just not going to be able to help <laughs> Right, it's like, right. ma'am, I'm a okay, therapist. I have, I, I don't, I'm not on the electoral college. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's more I don't helpful. Cure when... diseases here, you know. I'm just, right, you know, right. I listen, and that's, and that, like, I, I'm like, I don't want to sound like I'm shitting on it because I'm really not, but um, I just also I, I get real defensive too, and it's real hard <laughs> to like with the therapist you mean. Yeah, like, I'm just like, bitch, you don't know me, you know? I mean, it started off on the wrong foot when you walked in with a 40-ounce anyway. So. Yeah, you know, she was like, how about you put that away? I'm like, how about you go fuck yourself? And, <laughs> and it was downhill from there. Yeah, all there, but uh, uh, that's just me. I think I'm just a weirdo. Like, it's just, sorry, <laughs> like, this is just who you are. Like, sorry. But, I mean, it's, you know, you go through a breakup, um, a, a bad breakup, or divorce or death in the family or who knows what it like a thing happened mm-hmm. you find yourself in therapy and it's like okay this is helping can help with other things you sort of need that gateway it, it's like you said mm. Nate everything if everything happens for a reason uh then then find some way to spin this into a positive you know mm-hmm. yeah and I think a lot of that comes from you know, my, my upbringing, you know, my dad was a, a Navy chaplain and my mom is currently a Lutheran minister. So even though I'm not a regular churchgoer anymore, like a lot of those kind of foundations are still in me, like they're mm-hmm. still part of my makeup. Mm-hmm. And so I think I have to believe that there's a plan. I have to believe that, you know, things can and will get better because if not then it for me you know i'm not speaking for anybody else but for me it becomes depressing yes when you see what's going on in the world and it's like yeah there's there's got to be something better for you know my nieces or for your kid jenny they're like there's got to be something better for the next generation coming up and and if i if I don't believe that if I don't believe you know that there's a better day if I don't have faith that good people went out in the end then I think I'd be I'd be miserable because I mm-hmm. I drink more than I already do yeah <laughs> you drink as much as me attempt <laughs> and it's it's because I, I've felt that way before too and um it's just I just got to a point where it, I just felt it less and less, and I became more realistic than idealistic. Or, mm. um, not saying there's no faith, but I'm just saying it's diminished. And um, I, I've just seen too much. Like I feel like I've just I've done too much, and mm. it it just um, 
like I just have to realize how things really are mm. and um, that sucks like it does suck sometimes um, and I, I do know I do have some sort of privilege here but there are some things that suck um, and they will for probably a long time yes. um, so but but to your point like I know that there is some sort of unresolved thing from my past that I am not acknowledging and just covering up and god damn this is all coming a little bit too real. <laughs> I'm like back it up I'm like googly eyes over here um, but I, I don't think it's, um, you know, like in your case, I don't think it's abuse. I just think it's um, mm. just uh, some some unfortunate um, circumstances, really. And that's a lot of people's childhoods. A lot of people deal with yeah. that shit. A lot of yeah. people have those things that just sort of get wrapped up in the folds. Um, right. In my case, quite literally, you see, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a gentleman of somewhat larger mass uh <laughs> which some would say is a protective kind of anyway um yeah. <laughs> I, I do think that there is a, a balance between sort of optimism and depressive realism mm. um and it's maybe just pragmatism uh if i can be so bold like you recognize sort of the unescapable things that you can't control shittiness of existence type of stuff but you also yeah. know that or, or figure out ways to navigate it and mm -hmm. you may not put your best foot forward you may not um have even the best attitude about it but you figure out what to do and, and how to you don't dwell on you don't sort of stew in, in self-pity or, or... Right. You just keep going. Internalize. Yeah, yeah you, you figure out this is how I work around and make the best of whatever situation it is. Yeah. And yeah. not catastrophize, which I think a lot of people are... Mm. I mean, by nature, I think human beings just do. Um, but to recognize, well, this could happen versus this very much will happen because I've lived and breathed it before and I, I know how certain mm. I know A leads to B leads to C but I will stop short of saying A leads to Z you know right right and I think one of the things like uh, that I got out of therapy that I still uh, use is you know not being so hard on myself and acknowledging small victories yeah because I think too often we, like you said, Tim, just as human beings and the way we're all conditioned to think in this country, if you're not winning, you feel like you're losing, but that's not always the case. Mm -hmm. You know, the fact that, hey, I paid the rent this week and I, I hated to have to cut that check, but you know what? I got a roof over my head and the lights are on. Yeah. Right. Like, that's good, good, good for you, Nate. Good for you for working your ass off and making that money and being able to pay that bill. And so I think we are often too hard on ourselves. You know, I think that you know, if you're a parent, you're like, you're not going to always be, I almost, I almost said Cliff Huxtable, but I don't know if in 2019 <laughs> Cliff Huxtable is the, well, well, hell, the character of Cliff Huxtable. Okay. The, the character you know, baby yeah. face of Cliff 
Yeah, she's not always going to be the babyface character of Cliff Huxtable. <laughs> you know, sometimes you got to be Al Bundy, and sometimes Al Bundy is enough to make it through the day. Yep. Uh, <laughs> you know, you're not always going to be the best worker at your job. Sometimes nope. you're going to be Michael Scott, and Michael Scott <laughs> is good enough for the day. And I think, like, a lot of times we we Sometimes you're going to be Stanley and really have a, <laughs> a great day. Just sitting in the back eating pretzels. Uh-huh. Uh, but I think gathering your do... things at four o'clock. That's yeah, my yes. doing, doing yep. crossword puzzles. I'm gathering yes. my things. Like we compare ourselves too much to the next person. And it's yeah. like, especially like in this age of social media, like you have to realize and keep in mind a lot of times, you know, myself included, what people put on social media is what they want you to see. It's not oh, yeah. the hundred percent complete actual truth of this person's life. Well, yeah. And, and that's the thing, the big thing that, you sort of get wrong is when you're comparing yourself to other people and not sort of recognizing these are the highlights. This is the best of mm-hmm. um, cut that's being put out there. And again, my, my pragmatic response to that would be, well, if you can't help, but compare yourself to other people, if, if that's just something in your character that's unavoidable, then rather than jumping on Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is, just put on live PD and <laughs> watch that for an hour or two. Just go walk around Walmart for 30 minutes. Yeah, yeah change your perspective. <laughs> That's a good one too. Walmart, yeah. Just <laughs> compare yeah. yourself to some of those experiences. <laughs> and not to judge, but to say, at least I don't have that going on right now. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, you're right. Wow. Wow. We got way deeper than I thought uh, <laughs> we were going to go, but I like it. I'm into it. This is what we do on this show. It is. Uh, um, I have one last question, and this doesn't have to be the last question, but it's the last thing that comes to my mind. And I almost hesitate to ask it, Nate, but only because I see it on your Facebook. You used to work at Bonefish Grill. Mm. And... um. I I don't want this to have a racist connotation, but I have to know, does this mean that you know how to make bang bang shrimp at home? I actually do oh. know how to make bang oh, bang shit. shrimp. Oh, shit. Uh, I think my favorite thing at Bonefish, though, and I don't even know if they make it anymore, was the uh, the island rice and then the uh, potatoes au gratin. The potatoes au gratin, they do still, at least they did it. At the one I was at last, okay, at, and they're still pretty awesome. I got fired from Bonefish Grill. <laughs> okay, what did you a, do? Too much bang bang in this. This is this is one of the one of the few times I've ever been fired. Because here's the thing, <laughs> I don't know if the listeners know this, but I'm pretty I'm pretty quick with my words, and I'm I'm pretty <laughs> a bit. I, I can I can charm I can put on a charm. So very rarely have I been fired mm-hmm. from from any job that I've had. But I was fired from Bonefish Grill. Uh, and I knew I was going to get fired that day <laughs> because it was my day off and I lived in downtown Newport News. And this Bonefish Grill was more towards, you know, the the central Newport News. So it's it's like and, and I didn't have a car at the time. So it was an hour and a half bus ride Ooh. one way. Craig, how you going to get fired on your day off? Well, here's how I got fired on my day <laughs> off, Smokey. So I'm at home get a call from uh, the kitchen manager that day. He's like, hey, uh, Nate, we need some help. I'm like, uh, you know, it's my day off, man. He's like, I know it's your day off, brother, but, you know, we, we, we want you to come in, man. Uh, 
throw a little extra uh, money in, in, in your pocket and, you know, you get a meal on me. I'm like, cool. As long as I don't have to wash dishes, I'm good. And he's like, word, we ain't going to have you wash dishes. You good, fam. I was like, word. Cause, and I'm saying this in a joking tone, but it's really serious underneath. Like, Because if I wash dishes, I might get fired tonight, man. <laughs> This was on a Saturday, and the night Washing before. Washing dishes does suck. So the bad. night before, it was me and two Latino brothers who I don't remember their names, but they didn't speak a word of English, and it was just three of us, and we got hit that night, and uh, you know they 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 were just like, oh amigo, amigo, and I'm like, I don't know, man, and then they just like, oh, and so you know that type of thing, and so I was like, as long as I don't have to wash dishes, we good, man. He's yeah. like, oh. You don't have to wash dishes. I just need you to come in and uh, run the prep cook station for a while. I'm like, cool, I got you. Appetizers and desserts. I'm on it. So I get on the bus, hour and a half down, mm. get in there, God. and as soon as I get in there, the general manager of the store is like, uh, Nate, uh, uh, Ricky told me you were coming in to help tonight, man. I'm, I really appreciate it. Uh, you going to get on dishes tonight? I looked at him, and I, uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I almost had a slip of the tongue. And I was yeah. just like, uh Rick told me uh, I was going to be working the prep station. He's like, well, uh, Carl came in, so Carl's going to be on prep. And, uh, you know, uh, our amigos didn't come in tonight, so we're going to put you on dishes. Is that going to be a problem? And in my head, I was like, well, I I said, no, it's not going to be a problem. And the narrator in my head was, it very much was a problem. (laughs) It was a problem. And so everybody's bringing these dishes. This is a Saturday night service. And so... I'm like, fortunately, it's uh, one of those dishwashing machines where you just put the dishes on a tray, you push them through, but you still have to like dry them off and all that stuff. And so I'm like, I'm sitting there the whole time and I'm mad. And this is when I smoke cigarettes. So they wouldn't even let me go out on a smoke break during this uh, dinner service. So I'm doing the dishes. People are coming back. And, and here's the thing. Anybody that's ever worked with me in a professional context knows 90% of the BS that goes on at work, I just let it let it roll. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. I'm just here, I'm just here to yeah. you know do my time, get my money, and, and I'm out so I can go home and do what I really want to do. Uh, but if I get to the point where I'm perturbed, I will I will hit you with the with the most pleasing slash sarcastic line that I can pull out of my verbal quiver. Mm-hmm. And so, I think uh, one of one of the girls came back and she was like, uh, uh, "Nate, Nate, we don't have any more ramekins. Do you have some ra- clean ramekins?" And I look back and there's a tray full of ramekins about to go into the steamer. And I I looked at her and I probably shouldn't have said it because she was just doing a job. But you know what? You poke the bear, you might get mauled. <laughs> and so I, I look back and I'm like, I'm like, Cindy. There are ramekins in that tray. I will have them clean for you in about five minutes. But if that's too if that's too long for you, you can give them some ketchup packets. How about that? <laughs> and she's like, oh, I just wanted the ramekins. And I just wanted to have a good day off. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm, I'm doing this, and people keep coming at me. And, and they, 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 you know, they talking to me any kind of way to them. Like, they don't know who I am. They didn't read my, my, my file. Yeah. Like, like, don't you know who you're dealing with, people? And so... Get to the end of the night. I made it through. My my man that called me originally, he's like, hey, I'm sorry, man. I didn't know this was going to happen. Jamie came to me and changed things at the last moment, but I owe you one. I'm like, you're damn right you owe me one. And so he's like, I bet. He, you know, he threw me a little money under the table. Uh, I'm not going to say the amount in case 
the statute of limitations isn't up yet. Yeah. Uh, and then Fair he's enough. like, you know, whatever you want, man, get, get you a meal. It's on the house. I'm like, cool. Uh, you know, because I still got to wait for this bus so I can go back another hour and a half back to the crib. God. So cool. I get my food and my buddy is back there and he is uh, arguing with this girl named Ruth. And they're getting real loud. They're escalating it. And uh, and uh, the kitchen manager, uh, this dude, who, who I was going to give him a fake name, but who cares? Uh, <laughs> kitchen manager, this dude named Sammy, who used to be a male stripper in Georgia that went by the name of Scorpion. <laughs> he come around the corner, and he's like, uh, y'all stop all that cussing in the back of the store. And they're like, y'all be careful. You don't want to get stung by the scorpion. He's like, oh, funny man. You got jokes, funny man. I'm like, hey, man, I'm just like, I'm just waiting for my bus partner. <laughs> and so he goes around the corner. And then my buddy and this girl are just getting into it. I'm like, why So you're not even you're not even in the argument with I'm not people. even in you're this just, argument. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, let me go de-escalate the situation. Oh, and man. like people very, like I very rarely curse. Uh, and so when I do, it feels out of place for people. Mm-hmm. And so I go up in between, uh, my buddy who's like, uh, you know, spoiler alert for the people that have only seen my picture, uh, and heard my voice and think that I'm six, four with a full head of hair. Uh, <laughs> I'm actually like five, 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 six on a good day. <laughs> and so my buddy's like six feet tall and this girl, Ruth is probably a good five, 10, five, 11. So they both are towering over me. And so I get in the middle of them, and I'm like, hey, what the hell is your problem? There's supposed to be a family back here, and y'all acting like some motherfucking heathen. <laughs> what the fuck has gotten into you? Ruth, you need to apologize. And and, and uh, Bob, if you don't apologize to Ruth, I'm going to slap the shit out of you. And they just start laughing. They're like, oh, man, you crazy, man. Well, I don't even know what we was fighting about. Yo, this is real good. Like, And everybody's cool. And, and I'm like. Not all heroes wear capes. I've saved the day. Next thing I know, yeah. Nate, Jamie want to see you in his office. I'm like, okay, let me let me go walk past Uncle Ruckus and see what uh, Jamie wants. And Jamie's like, uh, Nate, I, I don't know what to say, but I've heard some very disturbing things tonight. You you were you 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 were short with Cindy earlier, and and I just heard you cussing at, at Bob and and Ruth and. That's not what we need in this restaurant. So unfortunately, I'm gonna have to let you go. Jesus. And this would have been the part of the story where, if I, if if this was Nate at 42 instead of Nate at 22, I'd probably have been like, all right, cool, you know, I understand, <laughs> and just went about my business. All right, cool. But this is Nate at 22. Uh-huh. And Nate at 22, once he said your services are no longer needed, I was like, so what you fire me, Jamie? Um, yeah, yeah, yes, we're gonna have to terminate you. And like, terminate me? After I came here, he's like, he's like, there's no no need to get upset. I'm like, I'm like, oh, James, James, we, we passed upset. I came here on my day off to help you out, James. And I was the, again, when 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 I get to this point, there, there's no there's no stopping me, Tim K. Yes. And I'm like, it's not my fault that the two dudes you hired who are probably illegal. So I might want to give a call to immigration. <laughs> Not, not my fault that those brothers didn't show up and you had to call me and I had to make this trip an hour and a half out of my way to help you out for your restaurant. It's not my fault, but now you want to place the blame on me. 
that what the, that's that's not what this is about at all. It's just there's a certain level of professionalism that we have to have here. And like professionalism, is it professional to hire male strippers at your establishment? <laughs> that can't be good for cross contamination. And people are just, I got an audience now, so I got an audience. It's t- it's showtime. As Sting would say, it's showtime, folks. <laughs> it's showtime, folks. Mama <laughs> and so, and so he's like, well, well can, you know, can can you just leave, or we're gonna have to escort you out? I'm like, escort me out. Escort me out. You know, I got my audience now, so I've got to project to the back oh, room. Yeah. Uh, so, like, so not only are you gonna call me in on my day off, but you're gonna assault me to get out of your restaurant. I, I did. I said escort, not assault. Like, okay, Jamie, this is this is the thanks I get for all the work that I've done for you. I'm like, okay. I'm like, I'm not even gonna say another word, Jamie. The next thing you hear from me is gonna be a call from the unemployment office. I walked out, took a brownie on my way. <laughs> and here, here's the thing, folks. This is a life lesson for everybody. You shouldn't make decisions in anger mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you don't have the full information around you. You're not fully aware. So I've I've snatched up the brownie, got my bag, walked out. But lo and behold, I still got to wait 45 minutes for the bus. <laughs> Prime example. And it's cold outside. So now I'm faced with a choice, Jennifer Smith. Do I swallow my pride and go back in the store because it's cold outside? Never. Or do I stay outside and be petty and let the anger and the cigarette <laughs> warm me? I stayed outside for 45 minutes, almost petty. got frostbitten. Yes. But I kept my dignity. Petty always wins. He let the anger and the pettiness and the cigarette warm me. Cigarette, yes. <laughs> I love that. I love it. That's wonderful. I, oh man, fuck that guy too. Uh, they called you in too. I'm like, no. Well, as you said that, the crazy thing is, um, and, and this won't be a long story by any means. <laughs> just to say that my mom has uh, not an identical story, but I, uh, kind of identical circumstances. Where it was in the '90s, uh, she worked at Lowe's part time. It was uh, a second job, actually, that she had. It was not her full-time job. And, like, her one day that she was always off, just never on the schedule for Lowe's, was Sundays. Mm. And for whatever reason, they, like, were short, I guess they were short staff, called her on a Sunday, hey, can you come in? And she, like, kind of thought about it for a minute, obviously didn't want to, but still wanted the money, and was like, I will come in and work anything except lawn and garden do not put me out in lawn and garden it was like 90 degrees that day you know or mm. worse and they're like oh no yeah we we don't need anybody we don't need anybody in lawn and garden we don't need anybody in lawn and garden you'll you'll be inside um don't worry about it we just we we need some help um so and so didn't come in um but we won't put you out there all right all right i'll come in and sure enough as soon as she got there it's like all right so um Here's uh, where we'll have you set up, out in Lawn and Garden. Mm. Kind of same thing, sucked <laughs> it up, was stewing in that anger for a while. And uh, it was also only supposed to be for a few hours, turned into like seven, going Oof. on eight. And uh, like she hadn't gotten a break, and she finally, with a shitload of people still in line... Flipped that light off, walked away, <laughs> took her apron off, balled it up, and threw it in the trash. Oh, shit. And a bunch of people came running out. 
And we're like, <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? I quit. So oh she didn't. God. She didn't get. She wasn't like threatening to get fired. She was threatening to quit. Mm. Which they actually begged her to go back because I guess they were so desperate. Um, she's also a white woman. That's neither here nor there. Perhaps. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but anyway, it's white. just one of those. It's supposed to be your day off. Yep. You get called in, do the one thing you were promised you wouldn't have to do. That's all you're asking. Don't make me do this one thing, and that's all they want you to do. It's just this is this is how these blowups happen. So. All right. Well, that story has cemented uh, my thought of having your mom as a guest on Talking Pop, I, which I, I, have... I don't think that was the same day that they were on her to like. They had given everybody these new walkie-talkies, just all the store employees. <laughs> And they were like, make sure you know how it works. Make sure you know how it works. Just going on and on. She's like, I know how a walkie-talkie works. You know, I'm not a moron. And they're like, okay, well, just just make sure. Just make sure, you know, you're, you're going to get called. And um, we want to make sure that there, there's no miscommunication or delays or anything. Okay, I'll, I'll show you. I, I know how a walkie-talkie works. She picks it up, pushes a button, um, and goes, Gary is a dick. <laughs> and it actually went over the store's PA. <laughs> so, I guess she didn't know about how that part worked. Boy, I meant to do that. What the fuck? Are you and once about? again, all these people came running out, including Gary, who I guess was the supervisor. Who said that? <laughs> it was another one. She goes, I did. <laughs> well, don't say it again. Your mom's awesome, Tim. Anyway, here's a question about walkie-talkies, Tim, that I think you and I might relate on because we're men of a certain age. Jenny, obviously, in the day over 21. Yeah, Uh, yeah. She doesn't know what a walkie-talkie is. Why? Why did they have the Morse code button on walkie-talkies, and who used it? (laughs) Don't nerds. Nerds used it. I mean, kids certainly cool to learn it. You know. Like, even if you took the time to study and learn Morse code, what are the odds that some other little kid in the neighborhood took that same time to learn Morse code? You come up with your own secret messages, right? So you just, like, learn the code, and then nobody knows your secret plans. I I mean, allegedly. Well, (laughs) that that is a good theory, and and I like – that that is the way you kind of think when when you're particularly – a child, uh, a boy yeah. that yeah. age when you're into that kind of stuff. But it is asking a lot to find another friend who's, uh, yeah, going to be as enthusiastic about it. It also is a problem in that the quality of those things was yes. not exactly great. A toy walkie-talkie is, you know, <laughs> kind of reaching. So there's a lot of going over. What over? <laughs> what over? Just yeah, it, it's a disaster. <laughs> Better oh that you can gosh. work at Lowe's and call people dicks and crystal. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. There we go. Oh my gosh! All right. Well, um, is that it? Is that all that we have? Do you have any Nate? other questions? No, I mean... Does the prosecution rest? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, I feel like there's more, but this is a good stopping point. Like, this is say, a good... leave, leave the people wanting more, Jim. Yeah, yeah. Good introduction, and um, I think we learned a lot. 
Yeah, leave oh, the people sure. wanting more because next yeah. time we can get into the, the the first time I ever smoked weed. God. Mm, wow. Why You're was that not that my first question? You're going to throw that out there. <laughs> all right. Um, uh, well, let's um, do a couple plugs. What what all you got going on there, Nate? Not a thing, I'm sure. No, I, I don't have any shows. No, I, just none? None, just none. But, uh... If I were to hypothetically have shows, you could uh, find those shows, or some of them, at the uh, Kings of Sport Patreon, uh, patreon.com backslash the Kings of Sport. There you'll get uh, episodes of the Kings of Sport before anybody else, uh, before they're released on the free feed. We got video versions of the show. We got MCU reviews up there. We got a political Ooh. show uh, called the Twenty Twin Twin. We've got the uh, Nubian Wrestling Advocates, which the second episode uh, we'll probably be out maybe by the time you're listening to this. I, I still don't know who the guest is. I got a couple guests in mind, but uh, we'll see uh, who comes on that show. And, and I, I will like to extend the invitation to Tim because we, uh, you know, don't let the name fool you people. It's just not going to be about black folks and wrestling. It's going to be about representation in general. Oh. So I want a wide swath. of. of oh, of, so just Tim then. I mean, <laughs> no girls. Of, Eventually, we'll get to white women. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, I, I felt it'd be too stereotypical for Woo. the first woman to be on the Nubian Wrestling Advocates to be a white woman because that yeah. that's not yeah, a good look. Right. Yeah, you got to you got to you got to think about the optics. Yeah, you're you're so right. You're we, we'll get it. We'll get a sister on first, and then we can bring Sister Jenny. So, on. so we'll do right. we'll do black men, uh, black women, perhaps black gays, white gays, and then white women. Yes, yes, that, that's the order. It does look like the hierarchy. And we'll, we'll sprinkle bullshit. in a Latino here or there. And then, yes. no, then no white men, apparently. <laughs> no white men, not, no. Mm-mm. No, no, just, I mean, straight white guys, you've had your turn. <laughs> like, I mean, if you, if you want to hear a white guy talk about wrestling, throw a rock and you'll hit a podcast. I mean, that is, yeah, that is true. <laughs> in all seriousness, it is. <laughs> But uh, yeah, yeah, Nubian Wrestling Advocates is there. Um, I will be at your disposal. If I mean, in all again, in all seriousness, if if you want to have me on something like that, that that sounds like a blast. I mean, I, like I do. I think that again, like the name is the is the the thesis statement of the show. But I, I think again, much like Rocky Mountain Picture Show, I want to take the thesis and use that to talk to other people whose voices might not always be heard. Uh, and so, yeah, that's you can find that on the Kings of Sport Patreon. The first episode is already out, and it's free. And we talked about the Jordan Miles situation. We talked about Kofi Kingston's title run, and we talked about uh, Hulk Hogan being uh, seemingly welcomed with open arms into the WWE, uh, mm-hmm. which led to maybe my favorite line that I've uttered on any podcast ever. Oh and boy. It, it's just because it's so ridiculous, and if you don't have the context, it doesn't make sense. But we were talking about the Hogan sex tape where, where he used the N-word multiple times, and uh, I was just like, how are you going to be angry during the refractory period, my brother? <laughs> <laughs> like, that should be the happiest time of your day. And you just out here being as racist as you want to be, sir. That's a great point. You know, I never thought about it quite in You should in talk to terms. his therapist about yeah, that. Yes. <laughs> If, like, I would love that. I would love if we could get a broadcast of Terry Belay in therapy. <laughs> well, well, listen, brother. It's 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 been a long, hard life, and I picked up a seven foot giant and slammed him, and it cracked the earth. Uh, ter- Terry, that never happened, Terry. 
None of that ever. But I mean, Donald Trump, he he got on my back and the Hulkamaniacs and I, I swam to save T- Terry. Terry, you're lying again. I need you to be real. Open up, Terry. Through a giant was... off the top of Cobo Hall. Yes. And, and then Andre the Giant Stun showed up. T- Terry, Paul Paul White and, and, and Andre the Giant aren't related. Yo, it was it was the back pills, brother. They, they, made, me, they made me use the N-word, even though I don't. <laughs> like, so why exactly were you in bed with your best friend's wife? Long story, brother. Right <laughs> um, and if you want to hear anything else, like just follow me on Twitter because you'll get all the links to all the shows uh, at Nate Mosaic in the number eight M O Z A I K uh, on Twitter. Because as I've told Tim before, all the cool kids have comic-related uh, Twitter handles. That's yes, right. they did until I changed mine. But yes, you're right. Yes, yeah, so you're again. All the cool kids have comic-related mm-hmm. Twitter mm-hmm. handles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you, Tim? Uh, on Twitter, on that note, Psych68 represent. I am C-Y-K-E-6-8. Still going strong, sort of, on Twitter. As, as much as I can um, these days in, in my diminished capacity. Uh, but what has not been diminished, really, is my podcast output. In addition to this show, you could hear me most recently on place to be nation wrestling's main event it was a special reaction show with mm. this man nate milton so that was a lot of fun we uh yes. three three-fourths of the cracker barrel gang were there mm. yeah yeah we were missing we're missing one of the crew sadly i heard it was like mentioned i might have been imprisoned uh for <laughs> some reason but I see. i'd like to say that was just uh Rumor and in, in, innuendo. I mean, any any excuse I can get to throw out a, a, a pearl uh, from Ron Tater Ron Salad Tater White. Salad White, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like. I, here's the thing, and we haven't touched on race a lot on this show, and I, I find that a little, I, I find that yeah, I actually kind of find it a little bit refreshing. But mm. uh, out of all of the blue collar comedy guys, I think the one who I would get along the most well with is Ron. Probably so. I'm not that hanging does, with Larry's. Yeah, that like, does make the most sense to me. Like, may, I think it, the, the order would probably go Ron, maybe Ingvall, then Foxworthy, yeah. then Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah, Larry the Cable Guy is a hard read because yeah. so much of it is, is just kind of, he's, yeah. he's doing shtick, you know? Which, I mean, I guess they all are to a I'm afraid extent. he's worked himself into a shoot. <laughs> yeah, that's the other side to it, right? Yes, yes. So, uh, yeah. That, that sounds like a good pecking order for them. Oh, what God. Else what else am I talking about? Yeah. So, main event, uh, AEW's Full Gear reaction show. A lot of fun there. Uh, I don't know how coherent it is. Probably more so than the... The other one we did. I was gonna say probably a little bit more than the last one. Yeah, we, we also that's did not, one. That's not a judgment about anybody who sure. was or was not on the last one. Well, sure. it's, a, it's a reflection on all of us without being a judgment <laughs> against any of us. It's a really good listen, actually. I believe your you know your your exact words were I listened to it back. I can't believe we released that. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. So, <sighs> in any case, if if that's your thing, check it out. Uh, I am also one quarter of the Marvel Age podcast. This is mm. on Place to Be Nation Pop, our former feed of, of this show. 
so yeah, we're now working our way through the 1970s in Marvel Comics. We are on 1972. That's going to be Ooh. a three, yeah, three-part episode. Just finished our second part, so the, the debut of Luke Cage. Yes, we talked about the debut of Luke Cage on our most recent episode, Nate. Uh, I was, I think we were all pretty complimentary, but, uh, I had never read it before and did not realize how sort of low key revolutionary it was. Not just because, uh, this is, you know, an African American superhero, not just African superhero, um, and North American comics, but, uh, some of the tropes and some of the ways it deconstructs like the modern superhero myth that there was a lot to get into there. Um, but yeah, I know so, it's later, but like the, the, cause both of those books failed and that's why they smashed them together. But the, uh, power man and iron fist were mm-hmm. some of the earliest books I read. And those like that, that's kind of what that and green lantern got me in the comics. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And you've got the, um, and both of them had a black guy, which probably had something to do with it. May have something to do with it. Yeah. Well, had some pretty, pretty tremendous art too. Um, Iron Fist, when his series crashed and burn, had John Byrne uh, mm. illustrating that. You get some uh, appearances from the new, the second generation of X Men in that too. So there's a lot of, lot of um, backstory just wrapped up in, in those those two characters. That's that people don't really fully consider, I think. But uh, yeah, we'll be getting to uh, Iron Fist, and then the the mashup of Power Man and Iron Fist eventually as we uh, plow our way on through the decade of the 70s. So it was a second part of 1972 Marvel Age that dropped recently on Place Me Nation Pop. Uh, Jenny, you and I have a wrestling show. It is called Talkin' mm-hmm. WCW on Place Me Nation Wrestling with our good friend Greg Phillips. And we... <laughs> I'll just say our next episode <laughs> is going to be the career, the life and times of WCW Bret Hart. Ooh. Yep. That as, is yep. the exact reaction that I had as well. Waiting, waiting. Again, like I told Tim the other night, I'm waiting for Jenny to go on a 30 minute rant about the Mad TV angle with uh, Will Sasso and Deborah Wilson. <laughs> Got to, got to find it. Yeah, um, I am delighted. I didn't pick it. That that was Greg Phillips, his choice. So, mm-hmm. yeah. After after an episode on Sting and an episode <laughs> coming up here on Bret Hart, um, quickly, I, I think talking WCW has landed on the bottom of Jenny's <laughs> pile of podcasts. I don't know how we're friends, Jenny. Like you don't like Sting, you don't like The Rock. What do we have in common, ma'am? Um, we like alcohol and weed. Mm. Um. We like, uh, see, I do like Sting. I, I, I came around on Sting. You came around okay? on Sting. You're going to come around on Brett, too. Are you a big Brett Hart guy, Nate? I like Brett. I'm not as big into Brett as most folks. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I certainly respect the guy. I'm not really a big Brett Hart guy myself, but I just think, I just find him funny because of how seriously he, like, Takes yes, everything, including himself. It's He's just... the Larry the Cable Guy of wrestling. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Why is that so accurate? Arguably a better comedian. <laughs> <laughs> what are oh. your thoughts on Kevin Sullivan, Nate? Which one? 
the Taskmaster. Oh, the Taskmaster Kevin Sullivan. I liked him better when he was in the Varsity Club because, again, as a sports fan, I could buy Mike Rotunda. Mm-hmm. Okay. I could buy Rick Steiner in the Varsity Club. I right. could even buy Dr. Destiny Williams. Uh-huh. Kevin Sullivan wasn't in the wasn't a varsity athlete. <laughs> well, wasn't he the ringleader or like the manipulator? He was like the coach, but still, he was like supposed to be like this player coach. And I'm like, mm, I don't I don't buy this Kevin Sullivan. Mm. I mean, I I give him respect though, like for the way that guy looked, he got the <laughs> most he got the most out of what he was blessed with. <laughs> yes, including uh, uh, Miss Jacqueline. Later on in his career, which is a pairing that, of all the bizarre pairings in wrestling, that one is... uh, Yes. I don't even... (laughs) Anyway. um, (laughs) I think that's my spiel. Uh, Jenny, what have you got? Alright, so... It's your show. um, Yeah, this is... uh... This is on the Jenny position feed. Uh, speaking of um, having to come up with a name, uh, <laughs> naming your own feed, something that is wrestling related yet also sexual related is um, very I, swap. I'm sorry to interrupt. Have I mentioned that I I don't know what this says about me or says about you or our relationship, um, but I immediately thought sexual connotation when I heard Jenny position. Um, See, that's what my son said. Yes. Sure. I mean, uh, again, uh, same. I, I I didn't understand the wrestling aspect to it until I heard it, the wrestling aspect. I'm like, oh, okay. I, 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 I get it. I'm um, sly like that. Uh, yeah, and I did put two and two together. It just wasn't my first thought to say, oh, right. Jenny position is in gorilla position, but... By the same token, I've never thought of gorilla position yeah. in a as sexual. A sexual. <laughs> but you obviously that's the, the funniest thing from that episode she yes. was on because because yes. we did the uh, Rocky My View Picture Show. The, I think it was the week before uh, yes. you launched the feed, Jenny. Yep. Before you launched the network, and and she's like, "Well, I'm starting up a network called the Jenny Position," and the smart ass in me wanted to make a joke, but the broadcaster <laughs> in me was like, "Okay, let's just take a pause and let her explain herself." <laughs> Because <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with that. See, that's, you know, I, I like the double entendre and whatever. <laughs> well, and, um, I like, and I like that. I think the first time we hear gorilla position as wrestling fans, it's you're somewhat it's somewhat more of an innocent time in your life. You're not mm-hmm. thinking the most yes. vile well, thing. Well, normally, could, yes. Normal, normally, yes. Um, but in your case, coming into this... Um, somewhat later in your life as a, as a new found love um you know in your 20s i made it dirty you you made it dirty which i think anyone would in your same yeah, position yeah. um mm. in the jenny position so anyway mm-hmm. um we have uh this show the wonderful talking pop um we have geek and sassy which we should have a new episode this week um episode number 40 of geek and sassy and then coming up we'll have a freak out drive-in with one peter winston Mm. um and then i've got some other things coming up too so um like you mentioned talking wcw and i also have a ecw pod on the wrestling feed at place nation Mm. um so we are about to watch hostile city showdown um so that should be available over there soon 
and uh, also an episode of Jenny and the Gems, which is like an occasional show um, that I do on the Wrestling Feed, where we look at the hidden gems on the award-winning WWE Network. And so we looked at the Great American Bash from 1988, um, the tour that was in Greensboro. Mm. Um, so it was really, really fun watch and uh, a really a lot fun. Of Lex show. Luger on that tour. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Another Jenny favorite. There's a War Games <laughs> match um, at the end of that show that was that was a lot of fun to talk mm. about too. Um, so check that out. But I think that's probably everything. Maybe um, pretty soon I'll be up on the Mothership, the Place to Be podcast. Um, I think that will be next week, and so that will be a probably shitty MSG hell show. What? <laughs> <laughs> I love it anyway. You'll be asleep on the couch. Yes. Ah. <laughs> I made it through this one, and it was two hours long, so yay for me. Excellent. Yeah. All right, so that's it. Thank you, Nate, so much for doing this, and definitely there will be a part two with you in which we discuss race and weed. Among <laughs> oh, well, yes, yes. I thank, thank you both for having me. This, this has been fun. And, uh, yeah, like I said off the top, you know, uh, I'll see you in at minimum 10 episodes because, you know, you got to yep. bring out the big guns for the big moments. You're right. Yep. Yep. All right. Book it. <laughs> and I don't know why, but somehow I'm just like drenched in sweat. Like, I'm just like. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> you got me hot. Mate. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm having a fucking hot flash. <laughs> <laughs>